That's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on a kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. This is this a personnel issue? Is I think I really think it's just a, a player fit. Like I I think and again is. this is this is partially his fault, right? These are his transfers yes. that he brought in, right? But I'm still saying I think this is just a whiff. I think this is just a whiff on you his part. You can't, you can't, it, you cannot whiff with this much talent. And I love Texas Tech. This is home. And I get to stay home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and today we will be continuing our off-season series where we talk to beat writers from across the state. Um, Ish, are you excited for this one? We got TCU on deck. Yeah, man. One of the more interesting teams, uh, I'd say, this year obviously ended fantastically for them. Um, and yeah, we this is definitely one of the teams I've been kind of waiting to talk about. Yeah. Uh, when we were looking through, you know, teams to talk, get beat writers for, I was like, Man, I really want to just talk TCU. So I was looking through TCU, and today we're joined by Anthony North, the managing editor of Frogs of War with SB Nation. Anthony, how are you doing today? Hey, guys, I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Um, excited to talk about uh, the, the really fun TCU season that, that we had in 21-22 uh, and looking ahead to uh, a, a, as hyped up as a, a season of TCU basketball as we've ever had. So, um Love talking frogs hoops and uh, looking forward to it with you guys. Yeah, I mean, like I said, coming off last year, twenty-one and thirteen overall, eight and ten in the Big Twelve, where the Big Twelve was obviously just a murderer's row of every team was was basically good. Um, you know, they they weren't the most consistent. They had impressive wins over LSU, Texas Tech, Kansas, Texas, but some losses to K State, West Virginia, and Iowa State. Um, just overall, when you look at last year, how would you? start to describe it and just kind of recap it as a whole. Yeah, there was definitely a, a bit of a roller coaster feel um, kind of early in the season and early into the conference season. Um, there were a couple of losses in there that were, were pretty bad and uh, really got blown out uh, by Texas at home uh, was, was kind of a, a point, probably the low point on the season where a lot of TCU fans might've, uh, thought things were um, looking looking pretty bad for the season, uh, and then, but we're we're able to bounce back from that and uh, got the the two back to back top ten court storming home victories over uh, over Texas Tech and Kansas, and and from there it was it was just kind of rolling, um, got healthy uh, enough at at the right time to make a run into the tournament um, and get a win in the tournament for the first time um, since 1987. So uh, definitely as, as successful a, a TCU season as, as has been in a long time. Um, but there were, there were plenty of hurdles along the way. Yeah. How long did you think it, was it until that Texas tech Kansas run where you kind of got a firm idea of what this team was? Cause you know, you played, they started off great. Obviously it wasn't that hard of a schedule, but they still came away with, um, 
I forgot they only had one loss to Santa Clara in the beginning. Santa Clara. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, you kind of saw some optimism, but obviously took it with a grain of salt. Did it kind of take until that run, that little two game run to kind of see the ceiling of this team? Cause they, you know, they would pick up wins against an LSU and, and, you know, but then they'd, kind of looked pretty bad against Baylor and then you kind of didn't know what to expect from that. Baylor was probably just on another level at that point. Did it take kind of until that late February, early March to be like, oh, okay, here's the team that we kind of are. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where you really started to see some of the growth. Um, You know, the Eddie Lampkin growth in in this last season was, was immense. Um, What, what he grew into by the end of the season where he was, he was a star on the court and uh, an indispensable piece of, of the puzzle for Jamie Dixon um, as well, Damian ball. So really working in ball, the transfer from Memphis um, into the lineup, he struggled with some injuries early on and just kind of getting him into, into the flow of things with, with working in with miles and, and where he fits in the lineup um, to where he was kind of starting right off the bat, but um, not sure of his role. And so once he really uh, kind of took on the facilitator role, really distributing um, his his passing stats, his his assist, um, he he could really see the floor. Um, and while also being a defensive stopper, I think getting him rolling and and getting Lampkin just the the growth that he showed, you didn't really see all of that come together. Yeah, until that late February uh, stretch of the season where where they really put it all together to to get those big wins. Yeah, and obviously this was a team that hung their head on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and they end the year 15th in Ken Palm on defense. I mean, in the Big 12, you kind of have to play defense to, to have a chance. And that's what gave them, obviously, the, the win over Seton Hall where they won 69 to 42 in the tournament. And then almost gave him a chance to beat Arizona there. Uh, just what did you see from uh, from the defense? What made it so successful? And was it something that Jamie Dixon, did it surprise you that they pulled out a season like this on the defense side of the ball? Yeah, I, I think it was surprising in that the additions, the offseason additions of Ball and Micah Peavy uh, transferred from Texas Tech. Peavy was, was a big-time stopper off the bench. Um, he was the guy that Dixon could kind of deploy as the the superstar shutdown kind of guy to, um, you know, the 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 stars for for these big teams in the Big Twelve. He would be PV would come out and and um, hold them to season lows uh, throughout the season, and and that was that was something that that TCU team had not had before. Um, and so being able to deploy him in that way, um, really contributed to, uh, you know, forcing bad shots and really the, the, the rebounding numbers for TCU were really strong, uh, throughout the season. But, but a lot of that just comes from forcing offenses into, um, disadvantageous positions to where you're, you're throwing up bad shots or late in the uh, shot clock shots and, um, you know, allow those big guys down low to kind of get in position to just, just take those rebounds and then run out on, on the run with, uh, with Mike miles. Yeah. One of the things that really stood out to me about this year was just kind of, I mean, after that NIT win this first year, like, you know, it hasn't been exactly roses for Jamie Dixon. And so, 
it looked like at least in the beginning of the year or I guess conference, um, it looked like it was like, okay, it's going to be, it feels like another like 500 ish type year. Um, what kind like, I don't know, what was the difference this year? Was it just like somebody like a Mike miles emerging as that kind of go-to star or is it just like a collection of like, this is just a group of players that work together. Cause I mean, that Arizona game was just back and forth, you know, Eddie Lampkins going right there at some of the, one of the best bigs in the country and making him work on the, on the glass. And you had somebody like a bow who's, who's good on, on both ends of the floor and things like that. What kind of like, was it just like a, a melting pot of like things just clicking at the same time? Because again, you look at Dixon's track record and it started to be like, okay, you kind of wasted Desmond Bain's career. And it kind of felt like, where is this program kind of going um, until this year, finally? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've seen that where Dixon and uh, has, in his run, has had the stars, had the NBA-level talent. Obviously, mm-hmm. Desmond Bain was um, a very, very high-level talent that mm-hmm. um, the team just never got built around him. And and I think a lot of that is the consistency that uh, through those Desmond Bain years just lost a lot of people to transfer portal mm-hmm. um, to injuries uh, kind of catastrophic injuries where, yeah, those teams were never able to, to meet their potential um, where the injuries suffered through the, the 21, 22 season didn't knock out for like full long uh, periods of time or came early in, enough in the season to, uh, to recover from. Uh, so yeah, it's really just being able to to keep the 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 squad together um, and be able to deploy basically the same starting five throughout the season. Um, and and we'll talk about going into next season, but it'll be probably the same starting five to seven guys. Uh, you know, having having that consistency is not something that Dixon had had in the previous seasons, and and even with top level talent, um, without enough depth to surround, in the Big Twelve, you just can't you, you can't stack up enough wins to really make a run. So, um, being able to have that in this past season and going forward, it, it's it looks good for the future um, if if those guys are able to stay healthy and and stay on the court next season. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I I have two questions. The first being, how would you describe this offense in like one or two words? Oh goodness! Yeah. I, <laughs> oh goodness! Think, there you go. Oh no, <laughs> no. I think <laughs> I, I think the the key is that there's enough scores. You you have a guy like Mike Miles who can take over. You have. Uh, Eddie Lampkin, a big who can take over. And then you have someone like Damian Ball who can facilitate and drive and kick. I think the the difficulty will be where that just kind of uh, sharpshooter, um, three-point, just, just ace. The Frogs don't really have that. Um, didn't really have that last season. I think um, Farabello, who transferred to Creighton, was kind of served as that purpose kind of spot up shooter um and and i don't i don't know that he really gave a whole ton to to the frogs i think he was a good contributor but but not that guy who is is really the sharpshooter so um that's that's the piece that's missing and and you know maybe maybe some improvement will come on that uh so it's a it's a lot of drive and kick and really try to to take your one-on-one matchups where where miles and lambkin can can certainly take over yeah because the 
they finished the year. I mean, like you said, they didn't have the shooting, right? They finished 30% from three, uh, 67% from the free throw line. However, and I mean, 330th in turnover percentage, but they were first in offensive rebound percentage. And that's the whole thing um, about this team where we were like, all right, they're just, they're athletes. They're able to match up with, I watched them play LSU and LSU was an athletic team. TCU kind of bullied them on the inside at times. Did that kind of become their identity on offense? Yeah, that that LSU game was a real eye-opener because L- LSU had gone into that game, I think the number one team on yeah. uh, team defense on Ken Palm at that time, and TCU put up at its highest scoring game of the season, um, at least to that point, um, over 70 points. And so it was like, well, if, if this team can do that against that on this stage – um, th- there's, there's a lot of potential here that, that was a real eye opener. And yeah, it's, it's that ability to, yes, if you're missing shots, but you've got somebody like Eddie Lampkin who can, can clean it up down low, then, then maybe it's okay to, to throw them up and miss. Yeah. I think one of the, one of my favorite offseason acquisitions last year was Emmanuel Miller and adding him with Eddie Lampkin. Like, you know, I don't think Miller had the, the year he did previously at AM, but I think he kind of adapted his role a little bit. And I think him and Lampkin like complement each other so well in terms of defense, but obviously like, you know, Lampkin's that body down low that can kind of absorb a lot of the pressure and that can let Miller kind of like operate as like a weak side blocker and things like that. Um, I, I've loved that combination. Um, but another thing, I, I I wonder, like, I don't know. To me, the game that stands out to me is the Tech game because that's a game that down the stretch they could. There were moments where you're like, that's it, like Tech, like you. They're up six, right? With like three minutes to go, or whatever. You're like, ah, there we go. Tech's not letting them score, and they just kind of found a way to make it work to where they were just trading buckets with you know Tech, and obviously they ended up pulling it out. And I wonder, like, sure, like in the most ideal world, obviously you'd want shooting right that's like you know every team that has a weakness you want that thing that fixes it but i do wonder like we've seen teams like houston like tech make it work without great shooting right and so i wonder like you know we can kind of start looking forward to to this year like without making additions like is he is jamie dixon more or less saying like do you think like i kind of got something that works right like let's let's kind of perfect that almost yeah the the defensive dominance is definitely the the goal going forward um i think that's even in uh the one kind of transfer acquisition off season was rondell walker from yeah. oklahoma state who is uh, uh similar to damian ball coming in from memphis a defensive stopper who that's that's how he was de- deployed uh for the cowboys mm-hmm. and so you know you you add to that uh that depth of defense to where yeah, I mean, make it make it really difficult for your opponents. Um, it'll be interesting to see what what he turns into um, and and how Dixon will use him. Uh, I, I expect off the bench, um, but I, I think that's that points to Dixon's just going to build on top of this defensive rebounding and and get quality shots um, over your uh, your three point kind of um just throw up those those uh high pointed shots mm-hmm. yeah as we we start to look at at next year i want to kind of tie them together what did that arizona game do for not just this team not just this program but kind of just the belief in what 
Jamie Dixon has built. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think obviously disappointed in the way that game ended up ending. Um, you know, very exciting opportunity to take on a one seed and and have a shot at the end and kind of Benedict Matherin hit that hit that late shot and not get the foul call and all of that. But um, I think, yeah, it, it just shows that uh, TCU has something here in this team. And, and it's, it's shown through the off season where Mike Miles and Damian Ball put their name into, uh, into the NBA draft, kind of test the waters and, and see how things go. But there was very clearly a message of unfinished business of, this team knows that they can can do something special together, something that uh, that's never been done at TCU. So I think it it definitely points to that that Dixon has something here and and has built something that can be sustained into the future, um, and that these guys have have totally bought into that. Yeah, I think there's one one of the other additions that. You know, he's out of high school, but PJ Haggerty, somebody who I'm really intrigued by. Um, he signed with them. He's, you know, obviously combo guard out of Crosby. I don't know how much he's going to play, but I think I see somebody as like, I see him as somebody who, when you have an experienced team, I think there is an avenue for whether he's seventh, eighth off the bench or whatever. Like, I think there is like an avenue for somebody who's just a scorer. And that's what he is. That's what he was at Crosby. He averaged like 30 points a game. Um and he's he kind of has an unorthodox style as far as like his scoring. He doesn't look like the most polished player, but I think like when you have a team that can rely on its defense, you have a Mike Miles who's going to take most of the offensive load. If you just have a guy who, as a freshman, can play, if he can give you ten minutes, right? If they can have something from that ten minutes where he's on the floor and he gives you five to eight points a game or whatever, I I don't know. He's somebody who I'm kind of really fascinated by because you look at obviously offensive production as kind of where they need to grow. I think that's somebody who gives you plus, you know, something greater than zero of what you had before. Um, in addition to, like you mentioned, Rondo Walker on the defensive side. So, yeah, I'm kind of fascinated by that. Yeah, absolutely not. Won't be empty minutes off the bench, I think, right. is is the hope and the expectation from Haggerty. Um, you know, he'll definitely be deployed often um, is, is the expectation. And, and if he does come in and score at that level, then that that gives you something to where you can give miles a break you can you can you know feel a little bit of confidence uh coming off the bench and and actually it's something i was gonna kind of ask you guys what what mm -hmm. your thoughts were on Haggerty. i know you guys uh or dave campbell texas basketball named him that the uh, high school mr texas basketball player of the year and and just kind of your thoughts on on his game i think you know we uh at, at frogs of war we've written some articles up on him and how kind of we think that he might uh contribute but mm -hmm. but just your guys thoughts on yeah how he comes in and and what his game looks like uh yeah. translating to the to the college level sure i mean i frankly you can't teach offense right a lot like in terms of just like raw scoring ability which again like i mentioned he has that unorthodox style where you're watching him you're like that's a that's a weird floater he's throwing up that's kind of a weird jump shot or kind of when he gets in the lane he is kind of like doing his own thing but i think i think it does translate right he's somebody who's going to get better over time um i think he's i think regardless he's going to come in as somebody who might be a liability on defense right he that was kind of his his thing at crosby was he it was him and i'm forgetting his kind of secondary player but it was kind of the 
PJ Haggerty's show, right? So it was like we go and lose as he goes and loses. And the only team that stopped him was Beaumont United, who ended up winning at state. So I'm I'm a big fan of him. I love that pickup for TCU. Um, I think he was kind of under recruited. I believe he only had I think Florida State and like Auburn were like some of the only other offers he had. I think he is a absolutely a a, a star player. Um, I just do think there's going to be. I think there might be a little bit of a learning curve for the first couple months. Um, naturally, he's not a you know he's not a five star kid or anything. But um, when I watch him play, I'm just like that's a guy who knows how to score the ball. Um, however way, however he gets in the lane, um, teams knew that he was going to be the, the go to guy and the guy that did everything for Crosby, and it didn't matter, right? He it consistently put up 30, 40, even fifty points um, in some occasions. So yeah, I think TCU got a gem in my opinion. He's was probably one of my favorite signings of this class, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I'll 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 leave it there with this. Ish has infinitely more knowledge on that than I than I do at the moment. But uh, yeah, you add him, uh, you add Rondell Walker, like we talked about. You lose Francisco Ferbello, but man, you return nine of the top ten in minutes from last year. It's gonna be pretty much the same team. I mean, the the hype you you mentioned it earlier in the podcast. The hype for this team has continued to go up. I mean, I've every single preseason top twenty five has TCU in it. Sometimes they're in the top 15. and I've um, seen a top 10. There's a couple top 10s there out there. The it's too 10? much. It's too much. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> yeah. seen the top 10. A little bit 10. too much. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, all right. Well, just – what are your expectations here? Where, where are you setting the floor? Where, where are you setting the ceiling? What, what's, what, what's the deal? Yeah, I think, you know, we uh, – we asked in a poll to to our readers kind of what the expectation was for the season, and and they came back with make the sweet sweet sixteen. That's that's the that's the goal, and and that was kind of before Damian Ball had announced his return and and some of the other uh, announcements through the through the off season. So I think the fan base is is really fired up. I, I think it's a you have to, you have to make the tournament. There are games that you have to win throughout the season. Um, I think the, the expectation, the, the weight on Dixon's shoulders, um, even though he, he let off the, the albatross of not winning a, a game in the tournament, we, we got that one checked off, but I think the, the expectations going into this season are going to be so high. Um, he's, he's not going to be able to, to, uh, you know, just making the tournament probably won't feel like a successful season, um, which is crazy to say for TCU basketball, because going into most off seasons, first of all, in June, we'd never be talking about TCU basketball at all um, or, or thinking about it. We'd, we'd all be focused on football. But, um, yeah, I think it's expectations are unusually high, um, but it it totally makes sense and i think i think it's recognized across the country of okay this this team should probably be in the tournament be maybe a top 5 or 6 seed in the tournament and should win two games uh that's that's my that's that's my hope and expectation um and, and I don't think that that's too purple of a glasses to have on to to think that that's uh where TCU could end up this season Real quick, yeah. um, ish before I throw it to you, uh, just with it's it's incredible with the transfer portal nowadays. I mean, it seems like every team has has lost, you know, loses at least three, four players to the portal every year. To only lose one is is amazing. Um, but I, I just I went to look up obviously the roster 
And this might be the only team in the country that already has their 2022-2023 roster readily available just on the on <laughs> the yeah. site. It's because it's just the same team. It's just the same guys. They got the profile pictures and everything. You don't you don't get, you got Rondo Walker in here, sure, but everybody else. Um, actually, one player I do want to ask about real quick uh, before I throw it to Ish. Um, Shahada Wells from UT Arlington mm-hmm. played seven games last year. We expected him to come over there and take some of the pressure off Mike Miles. Um, I don't know his full situation, so if you could enlighten us and the listeners about his whole. Situation. Yeah, I mean, he suffered a season ending injury and and yeah i think that was that was certainly part of the expectation and it's the expectation going into this season as well i think he's i think he will be a a that's the goal is to have him be a relief to miles um and and, you know they're they've the athletic department has been putting out videos of of practice and stuff and he's he's out there he's out there running and dunking and he's you know they've they've got him um it, 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 he seems to be back to at least some level of full strength uh, going into the season. So um, if, if that's the case, yeah, that's, that's another, basically an addition to the team because very little contribution um, in last season um, before the injury. Sure. Yeah. I think all of that, I mean, I agree with all of that. I think that it's not unrealistic to have that ceiling of two tournament wins. Um, I think, I don't know if we'll be able to gauge their improvement by the standings in the Big 12, just because it is what it is. <laughs> like it's a, it was already the toughest conference. It's probably going to get tougher with TCU and Oklahoma getting better. Um, and you have, I mean, the first three teams are three teams in the top five, probably in the country heading into next year. So, like, I feel like the standing when you look at the Big 12 standings, I feel like people are going to be like, "Huh, they're they're still fourth or fifth. And it's like, yeah, like, what do you want? Like, I don't know, what do you want them to do? Like, you maybe. Obviously, you want to hope to get a couple games off that top, but I agree that when we get to the tournament, and I think the TCU showed that last year and against LSU, it was like, once they get out of the Big 12, it's like, oh, no, this team's good. Like, they just play other great teams every week. So I agree with you completely. Like, I think this is a team that could win, uh, that could have Sweet sweet 16 aspirations. And um, as we saw this year, the Big 12 was just like, oh, cool, we're not playing each other every week. We're going to win all these games now in the in the tournament. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a lot more likely that TCU makes the Sweet 16 than ends up in the top three of the final conference standings. I think that's sure. – or, or even makes it to the conference championship game or something like that in a conference tournament. Right. I, yeah, the, the conference is just so stacked at the top that uh, breaking out of, like, fourth or fifth place is is going to be incredibly difficult. But mm-hmm. – Maybe this maybe this team can do it. We'll see. I mean, yeah. even if they finish, even if they finish ten and eight in conference, I mean that will. If they finish ten and eight in conference, they're going to be a top twenty team in the country. Like no right. no doubts about it. Like it's just not feasible to to run through that conference. I mean, Baylor last year went fourteen and four and was a one seed. So it's like you're going to have like four or five scheduled losses on there, no matter what. It's just too too tough. Um, Ish, you got anything else? We wrap it up. Nah, man, that's basically it. All right, uh, I have one more. Um, Go for it. I know it's the same team, but is there one player you're looking at? Like, all right, this guy is gonna really could really step up this year and maybe surprise some people. Oh man, who's who's going to step it up? You know, I think it's. Um, I think actually it might be Mike Miles. I think I think Mike Miles takes a step to 
okay, maybe he's a a fringe draft player, maybe to a I, I think he has that growth possibility in him to to take another level jump up. Um, you know, may, maybe that's a surprising answer, but but that's where, yeah, if, if he jumps into like a, a first round, if he becomes like a Desmond Bain level NBA talent, um, right. while with the skills that he has as as a point guard, I think that's a that is an opportunity for a big jump, even for, you know, a guy who's who's the star of the team and face of the team. Yeah, that is that was a surprising answer to me. I mean, because I, I yeah, that that is obviously an avenue. You look at ways this team could get better. We talked about, you know, adding Rendell Walker and uh, getting back Shahada Wells, but just Mike Miles taking a natural progression step forward. We've seen it. We see it in college all the time with players coming back after, you know, testing the NBA water. That's a, that's a yeah. Really and I guess, right. I guess uh, before, before I close it up, I mean, we, we didn't say anything about Chuck O'Bannon. I guess maybe that's, that's an yeah. opportunity to speak about him there as a, you know, if he grows from like a 30% three point shooter to like, you know, 38, if he takes a, a bit of a step up in, in his shooting numbers, um, I think that's, we talked about how that the shooting was one of the, the biggest deficiencies on the squad from last year. And, and he kind of will be in that role of, of the guy to kind of be on the wing to take those shots. And, and if he takes a leap, um, there's big opportunity there as well. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Anthony, we appreciate you for joining us. Um, uh, this was, this was awesome. This was a lot of fun to get to know TCU a lot better. And, uh, man, we're, we're excited. Uh, if, if we ever get asked about TCU now, we'll be like, yeah, they're definitely a top 10 team in the country. No doubt. Anthony, <laughs> Anthony said so. Anthony on Twitter at North underscore Anthony. Check out his work at Frogs of War, uh, which is at Frogs of War on Twitter. Um, Anthony, we appreciate you for joining us. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me.